And now, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the podcast you've all been waiting for, Legacy Story with Adam Solomini. Thank you, thank you. Much appreciated. All right, we are back with the series on books that can help you create your own legacy story. This is a special Sunday episode for you, and I am excited to continue the Legacy Story Book Club with you. In the previous episode, we discussed the books Awaken the Giant Within by Tony Robbins, Everyday Millionaires by Chris Hogan, and 7L, Seven Levels of Communication by Michael Jim Marr. Today we'll cover just two books, but I had so many notes on one and so much experience utilizing another, I had to pare down what I wanted to emphasize in order to help make the overall greatness of these books stick. Let's jump right into the first book we will cover in this special episode. Of course, I had to throw in a book that has a lot of the principles that I teach in my financial coaching, and that book is The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Transforming your financial situation is about 20% know-how and 80% action. The principles in this book are not new and are actually pretty simple. The real challenge is in adopting them and taking concrete action to change the way you think and the way that you live. In this book, Dave Ramsey explains various financial principles versus myths and offers a seven-step plan to transform your life. He injects hope and inspiration through stories of people who've successfully applied this very plan. He also has a radio show, and these principles are constantly talked about on this show. Plus, you can hear the many success stories or debt-free screams in virtually every episode. But let's talk about some of the major takeaways that you may have from this book. 1. Overcome Self-Denial The first major change in dynamic is that you have to face up to your financial reality and take 100% responsibility for your money and life. You can't really address a problem if you don't first acknowledge it. You also have to debunk the debt or money myth. Our modern culture is filled with propaganda and lies designed to influence our buying behaviors and lifestyle choices. To transform your financial health, you must first change your perspective about debt and money. In the book, Ramsey shares facts and examples to debunk a whole list of debt myths and money myths that we've been brainwashed to believe. In reality, debt is not a tool that will bring you prosperity. It only makes the lenders rich. You have to realize that there are no shortcuts or secrets to overnight riches. So stop dreaming of making easy money or hitting the jackpot. The real building block for your wealth is your income. So the key is to free up your income so that you can invest and grow it. Another key point is you have to conquer ignorance and social pressure. There's no point to buying things you can't afford and living a luxurious life beyond your means just to impress others. Learn to prioritize your financial goals over others' opinions and become rich rather than appear to be rich. If you want to be rich, do not try to keep up with the Joneses because more than likely the Joneses are living paycheck to paycheck or they lived by many of these principles. 
Many times when I'm talking to a client or a potential client, we talk about the difference between a need and a want. And a want is very emotional and you have to overcome these emotional barriers. Once you overcome these emotional barriers, it's much easier to achieve your total money makeover without falling back into old habits and thinking patterns. Now his system are basically seven steps and he likes to call them the baby steps. But before we get to step one, I think that there should be a step zero or maybe a step 1A, which would be to start with a written zero-based budget where every dollar you earn is accounted for in the budget. That's what I would add. Let's get to the baby steps. Baby step one is to set up a $1,000 mini emergency fund so you won't abandon your plan once you hit a crisis. Baby step two is to start a debt snowball. This is a strategy to eliminate your debt, regain control of your income, and free up cash for wealth building. Now, baby step two, he suggests that you start to pay off your smallest debts and continue on until you get to the largest debts. We're talking total dollars here and not the APR. The reason for this really is psychological. He wants you to gain momentum. Forgetting about what percentage you're paying in interest, you focus on the smallest debts first. You pay off that small debt, you gain a little bit more momentum. Then you pay off your next smallest debt, and the momentum continues. And as you pay off each debt, you're rolling over what your payments would be to the next one. And that momentum keeps growing and growing and growing, aka the debt snowball. Baby step three is a fully funded emergency fund where you have three to six months of living expenses if you lost your income. He also mentions baby step 3b, which is saving for a house. His suggestion when you're saving is to put 20% down so you don't have to pay for mortgage insurance, get a loan that is a 15-year fixed mortgage, and make sure that your mortgage payment is no more than 25% of your income. He goes into further detail on the reasoning for that, so you should check it out. Baby step four is all about your retirement fund, where you should use 15% of your income towards retirement. Baby step five is save up for college. If you don't need to attend college or you don't have kids, you can skip this step. Baby step six is to pay off your home mortgage. By this phase, you're already financially fit and you're ready to get ultra fit. Once you finish this step, you will be totally debt free and have a major asset. Baby step seven is to build wealth. By this point, you are debt-free in control of your finances and are systematically planning, saving, and investing for your future needs. You become truly wealthy when the returns from your investments are higher than your regular income. At this point, you'll have money working 24-7 for you, regardless of whether you are still working or not. Also in this step, he says you reach your ultimate goal. You have lived like no one else, so you can give like no one else. Ultimately, this system isn't just about you. It is about creating a legacy, and it is about giving and helping others when you have finally achieved your goals. The second book that we are going to talk about is Atomic Habits, and I have tons of notes on this one. An atomic habit is a regular practice or routine that is not only small and easy to do, but is also the source of incredible power, a component of the system of compound growth. 
Bad habits repeat themselves again and again, not because you don't want to change, but because you have the wrong system for change. Changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. Habits are the compound interest of self-improvement. If you want better results, then forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. The most effective way to change your habits is to focus not on what you want to achieve, but on who you wish to become. The four laws of behavior change are a simple set of rules that we can use to build better habits. One, make it obvious. Two, make it attractive. Three, make it easy. And four, make it satisfying. Let's go chapter by chapter and maybe read some excerpts from the book that stood out to me. The Surprising Power of Tiny Habits Success is the product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. You should be far more concerned with your current trajectory than with your current results. Your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. Your net worth is a lagging measure of your financial habits. Your weight is a lagging measure of your eating habits. Your knowledge is a lagging measure of your learning habits. Your clutter is a lagging measure of your cleaning habits. You get what you repeat. Time magnifies the margin between success and failure. It will multiply whatever you feed it. A good habit makes time your ally. A bad habit makes time your enemy. Goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the processes that lead to those results. If you want to predict where you'll end up in life, all you have to do is follow the curve of tiny gains or tiny losses and see how your daily choices will compound 10 or 20 years down the line. Breakthrough moments are often the result of many previous actions which build up the potential required to unleash a major change. If you find yourself struggling to build a good habit or break a bad one, it is not because you have lost your ability to improve. It is often because you have not yet crossed what James calls plateau of latent potential. When you finally break through the plateau of latent potential, people will call it an overnight success. The purpose of setting goals is to win the game. The purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. True long-term thinking is a goalless thinking. It's not about any single accomplishment. It is about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. Ultimately, it is your commitment to the process that will determine your progress. Getting 1% better every day counts for a lot in the long run. Habits are a double-edged sword. They can work for you or against you, which is why understanding the details is essential. Small changes often appear to make no difference until you cross a critical threshold. The most powerful outcomes of any compounding process are delayed. You need to be patient. Just as atoms are the building blocks of molecules, atomic habits are the building blocks of remarkable results. If you want better results, then forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. You do not rise to the level of your goals, you will fall to the level of your systems. Some quotes from chapter 2, how your habits shape your identity and vice versa. Changing our habits is challenging for two reasons. We try to change the wrong thing and we try to change our habits in the wrong way. There are three layers of behavior change. A change in your outcomes, a change in your process, or a change in your identity. 
Outcomes are about what you get. Processes are about what you do. Identity is about what you believe. With outcome-based habits, the focus is on what you want to achieve. With identity-based habits, the focus is on who you wish to become. The ultimate form of intrinsic motivation is when a habit becomes a part of your identity. It is a simple two-step process. Decide the type of person you want to be. Prove it to yourself with small wins. Ask yourself, who is the type of person that could get the outcome I want? Your identity emerges out of your habits. Every action is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. Becoming the best version of yourself requires you to continuously edit your beliefs and to upgrade and expand your identity. The real reason habits matter is not because they can get you better results, although they can do that, but because they can change your beliefs about yourself. Quotes from Chapter 3, How to Build Better Habits in Four Simple Steps. Whenever you want to change yourself, ask yourself, how can I make it obvious? How can I make it attractive? How can I make it easy? How can I make it satisfying? A habit is a behavior that has been repeated enough times to become automatic. The ultimate purpose of habits is to solve the problems of life with as little energy and effort as possible. Any habit can be broken down into a feedback loop that involves four steps. Cue, craving, response, and reward. Quotes from chapter 4, The Man Who Didn't Look Right. If you're having trouble determining how to rate a particular habit, ask yourself, does this behavior help me become the type of person I wish to be? Does this habit cast a vote for or against my desired identity? With enough practice, your brain will pick up on the cues that will predict certain outcomes without consciously thinking about it. Once our habits become automatic, we stop paying attention to what we are doing. The process of behavior change always starts with awareness. You need to be aware of your habits before you can change them. Pointing and calling raises your level of awareness from a non-conscious habit to a more conscious level by verbalizing your actions. The habits scorecard is a simple exercise you can use to become more aware of your behavior. And that can be found in the book, by the way. Quotes from chapter 5. The best way to start a new habit. The first law of behavior change is to make it obvious. Many people think they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity. One of the best ways to build a new habit is to identify a current habit you already do each day and then stack your new behavior on top. This is called habit stacking. The habit stacking formula is sort of like this. After a current habit, I will do a new habit. Let me think of an example here. I have the habit every morning of walking through the house and opening the blinds. We have a pet rabbit, so I say, hey, what's up, Cindy Lopier? And then I get my little babies their milk and hand it to them. That's a habit that I have. Well, let's say that I want to do push-ups every day. So the habit stacking formula is after I open the blinds, I will do 20 push-ups and 20 sit-ups. That, ladies and gentlemen, is habit stacking. All right, back to the quotes from the book. Creating an implementation intention is a strategy you can use to pair a new habit with a specific time and location. The reason time and location is important is because they are common cues. The implementation intention formula is, I will, whatever the behavior is, at whatever the time is, in whatever the location is. So let's say I use the exact same new habit. 
I will do 20 push-ups and 20 sit-ups at 8 a.m. next to Cindy Lapier. Some chapter 6 quotes. Motivation is overrated. Environment often matters more. Environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. Small changes in context can lead to large changes in behavior over time. Every habit is initiated by a cue. We are more likely to notice cues that stand out. Make the cues of good habits obvious in your environment. Gradually, your habits become associated not with a single trigger, but with the entire context surrounding the behavior. The context becomes the cue. It is easier to build new habits in a new environment because you are not fighting against old cues. Quotes from Chapter 7, The Secret to Self-Control. The inversion of the first law of behavior change is make it invisible. Once a habit is formed, it is unlikely to be forgotten. People with high self-control tend to spend less time in tempting situations. It's easier to avoid temptation than to resist it. One of the most practical ways to eliminate a bad habit is to reduce exposure to the cue that causes it. Self-control is a short-term strategy, not a long-term one. Quotes from Chapter 8, How to Make a Habit Irresistible. The second law of behavior change is to make it attractive. The more attractive an opportunity is, the more likely it is to become habit-forming. Habits are a dopamine-driven feedback loop. When dopamine rises, so does our motivation to act. It is the anticipation of a reward, not the fulfillment of it, that gets us to take action. The greater the anticipation, the greater the dopamine spike. Temptation bundling is one way to make your habits more attractive. The strategy is to pair an action you want to do with an action you need to do. Quotes from Chapter 9. The role of family and friends in shaping your habits. The culture we live in determines which behaviors are attractive to us. We tend to adopt habits that are praised and approved of by our culture because we have a strong desire to fit in it and belong to the tribe. We tend to imitate the habits of three social groups, the close family and friends, the many or the tribe, and the powerful, those with status and prestige. One of the most effective things you can do to build better habits is to join a culture where, one, your desired behavior is the normal behavior, and two, you already have something in common with the group. The normal behavior of the tribe often overpowers the desired behavior of the individual. Most days, we'd rather be wrong with the crowd than be right by ourselves. If a behavior can get us approval, respect, and praise, we find it attractive. Quotes from Chapter 10. How to find and fix the cause of your bad habits. The inversion of the second law of behavior change is make it unattractive. Every behavior has a surface-level craving and a deeper underlying motive. Your habits are modern-day solutions to ancient desires. The cause of your habits is actually the prediction that precedes them. The prediction leads to a feeling. Highlight the benefits of avoiding a bad habit to make it seem unattractive. Habits are attractive when we associate them with positive feelings and unattractive when we associate them with negative feelings. Create a motivation ritual by doing something you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. Quotes from Chapter 11. Walk slowly, but never backward. The third law of behavior change is make it easy. 
The most effective form of learning is practice, not planning. Focus on taking action, not being in motion. Habit formation is the process by which a behavior becomes progressively more automatic through repetition. The amount of time you have been performing a habit is not as important as the number of times you have performed it. Quotes from chapter 12, The Law of Least Effort. Human behavior follows the law of least effort. We will naturally gravitate towards the option that requires the least amount of work. Create an environment where doing the right thing is as easy as possible. Reduce the friction associated with good behaviors. When friction is low, habits are easy. Increase the friction associated with bad behaviors. When friction is high, habits are difficult. Prime your environment to make future actions easier. I hope you're loving these quotes. I hope some of them are resonating with you. But let's keep going. Quotes from chapter 13. How to stop procrastinating by using the two-minute rule. Every day there are a handful of moments that deliver an outsized impact. James refers to these little choices as decisive moments. Decisive moments set the options available to your future self. A habit must be established before it can be improved. Habits can be completed in a few seconds, but continue to impact your behavior for minutes or hours afterwards. Many habits occur at decisive moments, choices that are like a fork in the road, and either send you in the direction of a productive day or an unproductive one. The two-minute rule states, when you start a new habit, it should take less than two minutes to do. The more you ritualize the beginning of a process, the more likely it becomes that you can slip into a state of deep focus that is required to do things. Standardize before you optimize. You can't improve a habit that doesn't exist. Quotes from chapter 14. How to make good habits inevitable and bad habits impossible. The inversion of the third law of behavior change is make it difficult. A commitment device is a choice you make in the present that locks in better behavior in the future. The ultimate way to lock in future behavior is to automate your habits. One-time choices, like buying a better mattress or enrolling in an automatic savings plan, are single actions that automate your future habits and deliver increasing returns over time. Using technology to automate your habits is the most reliable and effective way to guarantee the right behavior. Quotes from chapter 15, the cardinal rule of behavior change. The fourth law of behavior change is make it satisfying. We are more likely to repeat a behavior when the experience is satisfying. The human brain evolved to prioritize immediate rewards over delayed rewards. The cardinal rule of behavior change, what is immediately rewarded is repeated. What is immediately punished is avoided. To get a habit to stick, you need to feel immediately successful, even if it's in a small way. The first three laws of behavior change, make it obvious, make it attractive, and make it easy, increase the odds that a behavior will be performed this time. The fourth law of behavior change, make it satisfying, increases the odds that a behavior will be repeated next time. Quotes from chapter 16, how to stick with good habits every day. Named after the economist Charles Goodart, Goodhart's law states, when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to be a good measure. One of the most satisfying feelings is the feeling of making progress. A habit tracker is a simple way to measure whether you did a habit, like marking an X on a calendar. 
Habit trackers and other visual forms of measurement can make your habits satisfying by providing clear evidence of your progress. Don't break the chain. Try to keep your habit streak alive. Never miss twice. If you miss one day, try to get back on track as quickly as possible. Just because you can measure something doesn't mean it's the most important thing. Quotes from Chapter 17. How an accountability partner changes everything. With my financial coaching, by the way, part of the coaching process is accountability and being an accountability partner. I also suggest many of my clients find another accountability partner, somebody that's going through the same thing that they're going through, trying to change the same things that they're trying to change. Back to the quotes. The inversion of the fourth law of behavior change is make it unsatisfying. We are less likely to repeat a bad habit if it is painful or unsatisfying. An accountability partner can create an immediate cost to inaction. We care deeply about what others think of us, and we do not want others to have a lesser opinion of us. A habit contract can be used to add a social cost to any behavior. It makes the cost of violating your promises public and painful. Knowing that someone else is watching you can be a powerful motivator. Quotes from Chapter 18 the truth about talent, when genes matter, and when they don't. The secret to maximizing your odds of success is to choose the right field of competition. Pick the right habit and progress is easy. Pick the wrong habit and life is a struggle. Genes cannot be easily changed, which means they provide a powerful advantage in favorable circumstances and a serious disadvantage in unfavorable circumstances. Habits are easier when they align with your natural abilities. Choose the habits that best suits you. Play the game that favors your strengths. If you can't find a game that favors you, create one. Genes do not eliminate the need for hard work. They clarify it. They tell us what to work hard on. Quotes from Chapter 19. The Goldilocks Rule. How to Stay Motivated in Life and Work. The Goldilocks rule states that humans experience peak motivation when working on tasks that are right on the edge of their current abilities. The greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. As habits become routine, they become less interesting and less satisfying. We get bored. Anyone can work hard when they feel motivated. It's the ability to keep going when work isn't exciting that makes the difference. Professionals stick to the schedule. Amateurs let life get in the way. Quotes from chapter 20, the downside of creating good habits. The upside of habits is that we can do things without thinking. The downside is that we stop paying attention to little errors. Habits plus deliberate practice equals mastery. Reflection and review is a process that allows you to remain conscious of your performance over time. The tighter we cling to an identity, the harder it becomes to grow beyond it. Are those some great quotes from Atomic Habits or what? James Clear in this book really does some great work. I highly recommend that book. You should check it out. Well, that's all for today's episode of Legacy Story. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please consider donating. You can do so via Cash App at dollar sign in Financer. Remember that half of those donations goes to a scholarship to help the underprivileged with financial coaching or an individual or a couple that is in a serious circumstance. And that scholarship will hopefully mean for them a change in that circumstance for the better, as long as they put in the work and maybe form some atomic habits. 
Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. Plus, don't forget to follow me on social media at Your Legacy Story, except for on Twitter, which is The Legacy Story. You can also follow me at InFinancer. If you're interested in changing your trajectory, whether it's financial coaching, maybe business coaching, or personal coaching, feel free to book a discovery session with me at InFinancer.com. I-N-F-I-N-A-N-C-E-R.com. Until next time, ciao.